Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kay Finks. We're back, man. Episode 179. Yes, sir. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. God damn it. All right. We went to Los Angeles yesterday to check out Andrew Schultz's infamous tour. Yeah. Um, we've been following this guy for quite some time. Um, I, my introduction to Andrew Schultz was from the Brilliant Idiots podcast, uh, which is definitely probably one of my favorite podcasts for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andrew Schultz is a comedian. He's been doing this shit a while. Um, he's engaged a decent following over the years. Mm-hmm. And that following has grown and grown and grown and grown and grown until he's right now. I, I'll say that Andrew Schultz is big. Right. But there's levels to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got the Dave's, Dave Chappelle's of the world who are massive. Right. Joe Coy, massive. I think Andrew Schultz is big right now. Then he's going to go and be huge. Then he's going to be fucking massive. So I think he has like two more levels. I think he's, but I think he's, um, he's kind of like, how would you, like if you compare to a, to an athlete, he's like one of the younger guys, there you go. like a Jason Tatum or something that you yeah. know is going to be yeah. really good one day. Um, but it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Of well, obviously he's really good now. He's great, but yeah, I mean, great. Sorry about right. that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know he's going to be like one of those, those top dogs. Cause he's not only like garnered a huge fan base, but he's actually really good at comedy. hundred percent. And, and what, what I love about him the most is his originality. Mm-hmm. He fucking rips shit up. But before mm-hmm. we go into talking about Andrew Schultz, we got to talk about the prequel to, <laughs> to everything. Just Los Angeles in general is just such a fucked up place to be. Mm-hmm. God damn. All right. First of all, me and Keith took off earlier in the day because I had to get some things uh, for my business. So I had to go f- look for some products that I exclusively w- would get in Los Angeles. So we go down there and um, we're basically in downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it is fucking this skid row. Oh, my God, dude. The, the homeless problem in Los Angeles has been exact. It's been exacerbated by obviously COVID, mm-hmm. um, but this is another level of homelessness that you just don't see in America. Yeah, this shit was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was like The Walking Dead, man. Mm-hmm. Like I was waiting for some to hear that sound. You know that sound you hear in Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So to make a long story short, we're looking for this establishment and I'm looking on my phone and following the steps. But as I walk closer to the establishment, it's starting to look like, dude, it's it looks like some cataclysmic event came and just blew up the <laughs> fucking blew up downtown Los Angeles. And it was tense. Um, well, as we were walking to the place, me and Keith seen some dude that was in a small box with his naked ass out. Yeah. Like, this dude was literally in a fetal position with his pants pulled down. We're like, what in the fuck is going on here? Yeah, he was assed out. Literally assed out. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck is going on? So we walked past this guy. Then we yeah, walked. You, when, you walk, when you seen him, you was acting like you seen a dead body or something. I was like, I was whoa. Like, <laughs> I was like, hey, get over. Get a, anybody that's crazy enough to be sleeping with their pants down is unpredictable. <laughs> he might have seen us and be like, hey, you want to fuck me? You're like, hey, man. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Get out of here. Uh, crazy person. But I was yeah. like, hey, Keith, get over the sidewalk, man. Get over. He was like, what, man? And then you look back. He was like, oh, dang. Yeah, just a whole lot of hairy ass. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the police station was right where we were going. So we're walking towards the police station. And it's so fucked up for the police in L.A. Mm-hmm. The, the downtown, like the police station 
it has this part in the back that's opened up for the officers to drive in and drive out. And a homeless dude was low-key trying to assault a police officer so he get arrested. He's like, yeah. arrest me! Arrest me! And the mm. cop was like, hey, don't tell me what to do. Get out of here. Yeah. And he's like, come on, arrest me! Come on! <laughs> and I was like, dude, me and Keith were literally walking all of eight minutes by the time we seen this shit. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Then Keith, Keith seen a guy actively taking a dump on the fucking sidewalk. He was pulling his pants up after, yeah. after taking a shit. Yeah, it was a fresh doo-doo, yeah. It was a, the most craziest homeless shit I've ever seen. It, yeah, it was, it was like, a, like a nice little, you know what I'm saying, nice little circle. This dude had a strict diet of cornflakes and, and anything else with corn in it. <laughs> what the fuck? But yeah, after I, was, I grabbed some of the products that I needed, we were walking back, and this is no lie, dude. My right-handed guy, I am not playing. Keith spotted it. I was like, oh, fuck. It smells like shit. <laughs> right? And then we look to the right, and there is literally a human piece of shit <laughs> with bread on it. Like sandwich bread. It was white bread on top of a big-ass turd, and there were flies all over it. <laughs> like we, Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread on top of some doo-doo. It was literally a piece of white Wonder Bread on a piece of shit. <laughs> I've never in my life have encountered... Is like a doo-doo sandwich. I don't know if he wiped his ass with the bread. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> but it was wild, bro. And if you, you you people who have been downtown LA or any other place where there's a lot of homeless, you know I'm not playing. And there is a just oh, there's such a gripping smell of it's urine. Straight stench. Urine. And it's not only human shit, dog shit mm-hmm. and dog piss. So you got a mixture of human shit, dog shit, and piss. And it's like fuck. This is worse than COVID. Yeah, that's the. It's just. It's really the worst experience. And um, you know, I I think different parts of LA is different. We was primarily in a downtown area, but right. it's just it, that doesn't inspire me at least to want to move there. Fuck no. Like walking around that, dude. Bakersfield, shit. we got it so much better than people in LA. We got it so much better than people in LA, dude. Don't ever move to LA unless you want to pay. $2,700 a month for a fucking crack house. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> Go ahead and live out there. You can't even get a good place living out there. Mm-hmm. It's so fucked up. Not only that, but before the show, probably a couple hours, we're driving down. Were we, were we on Sunset? I forgot where we were. When? Were we in Hollywood? I forgot where we were at when we seen the 7-Eleven guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was almost down Sunset. We're like going towards that way. So, dude, we're driving down the road there, and it's back-to-back traffic. And I just looked to my left for some reason. I seen some dude sleeping at at uh, 7-Eleven. And I was like... Yeah, he, he was taking a really good nap. He was not. He was sleeping good. By the way, before you guys think I'm a dickhead, I'm very empathetic to homeless people. But if you're in L.A. long enough... That empathy is replaced by like like you're empathetic to the situation, but you become less empathetic towards the people because it's just it's so much. It's so overbearing that yeah. it's like, fuck, you can't you can't feel for every homeless person because there's so many. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the guy's laying down at 7-Eleven. He's fucking sleep. And some dude comes up and assaults him with the cart. <laughs> He's fucking hitting him with the cart. He fucks him up with the cart. And I'm like, Keith, look at this shit. And he was like, he was like, oh my God. What did he do? <laughs> oh, it was terrible. And he before- probably didn't. I, in the way he woke up, it, it looked like he didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. Something probably hit him in his dream. And he was like, dang, that was, felt realistic. <laughs> 
He was catching, dude. He was catching a fade from a cart. <laughs> here's the most, here's the fucking funny part about it is the cart had bongos. You know those things you tap on like boom, 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 boom. He had bongos on top of the fucking cart, mm-hmm. and he was hitting them with it. I'm like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. And I know you got. I know we fuck around a lot on this show. I know we fuck around a lot on this podcast, but we are not playing. <laughs> this is this is not a fabricated story. This is not this is not some stand up act. This guy got assaulted with a cock with a, not, not a cock with a cart. As a stroller, is <laughs> a stroller. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He got a, a he got a, a, a freaking assaulted with a stroller with bongos on. Dude was really mad too. It, it, the dude was like, I don't know what how the the story got there, but dude was sleeping really good. He's sleeping like a baby. And yeah. the other dude with the with the stroller came up, and he just he just looked so angry. Yeah, he was angry, and he kind of revved up like, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm gonna get this homeless nigga. Yeah, he hit him and a then he times. just like boom, and then he hit him, and then the dude like he by the time he woke up, the other dude was around the corner already walking into the store, and yeah. he just kind of woke up and got up. It was it was such an alarming response to somebody sleeping. Yeah, it's almost like why are you sleeping so good? Yeah, why are you sleeping so good, man? Uh, totally, that, that felt like. When um, a dude get caught cheating and he's sleeping, and his wife and just slapped him. Yeah, fuck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, he got. Oh my god, and it was just hilarious the shit we were seeing. Oh, here's another one. Me and Keith are walking down there, just killing a little bit of time because we were a little bit early. So we're killing some time walking down. Um, fuck, I forgot that road. But anyways. It's a long strip with a bunch of establishments, a bunch of restaurants, a bunch of clothing stores, just a bunch of shit, right? Yeah. So we're just walking, and we literally, there's like a trend going on of, uh, it was two white girls we seen, actually. Oh, yeah. It's Or just, I would say it's women in general, but it was just happened to be two young white ladies walking down the street with these extremely thin fucking t-shirts on. Mm-hmm. Extremely thin with no bra on, and it was just literally just titties just out in public. Yeah, public titties. Public titties. Like, is mm-hmm. this a, is this a thing now? Mm-hmm. That shit was just like, man. Yeah, that was the craziest thing I ever seen. That's she was just lit- like, just well, I probably I've seen it before. So yeah, we've seen it, but it, it was just so crazy that that this is just regular, and she just you know she not worried about nothing going on in the world. She just got her titties out. L.A. is operating at a different speed than us out here. Yeah, yeah, they they don't give a fuck about shit out there. Yeah, that's a different ball game. Like you gotta, you gotta really be mentally prepared. You gotta be prepared for homelessness. You gotta be prepared for liberalism. Right. You gotta be prepared for all kind of, you know, you just, any any and everything. You gotta just be ready for everything. They live in extremes in Los Angeles. They just be like fuck it. I'm gonna go homeless. I don't care. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> that, that dude. Maybe that had- that's a rebuttal to like conservative. Yeah. Probably. Mm. Fuck the government. I'm gonna sleep in a box. <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> That dude that had his ass out had black feet too. That yeah. was the craziest shit. Like the bottom of his feet were black. Like I thought he was a Native American. Oh, Blackfoot? That was a fucking that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one, man. You slipped that one right in there. It's like fuck, man. Yeah. Oh man, it was nuts. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was definitely definitely had some, you know, and it it's funny how in a limited time frame. You know, you have that going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Skid Row is out of control in Los Angeles. Yeah, And crazy. don't you dare think about moving there unless you find a place that's... And first of all, I don't want to make homeless as if they're bad people. They're, they're in the streets. They more likely have mental health problems. But like, don't move there unless you can move to a good area. If you can't move to a good area, don't do it. Because you will literally have people taking a dump in your front yard. 
That is a fact. Yeah. And it's so weird, um, that whole downtown area, because there's like slight gentrification going on, if that's yes. what you want to coin it as. Yes, it is. And then there's Skid Row. So there's, you know, these buildings that have these condos and stuff, and they're probably yes. four or $5,000 a month. And then you have, you know, these tents where they're paying no money a month. So it's like it's when you're driving in Los Angeles within like a five, six mile range, it's like human shit, human shit, human shit, piss, human shit, human shit, human shit, Starbucks, big mm-hmm. building, nice apartments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's crazy how mm-hmm. it changes. Yeah. The, the, the gentrification is real, mm-hmm. you know, but when you're down in DTLA, and you got the big time homeless problem. It's like dog. Sh- it's so many smells. Weed, yeah, weed. Piss, shit. Um, um, street, street hot dogs, uh, <laughs> tacos. <laughs> like literally, I walked between so many smells. It was like human shit, human shit, human piss. Uh, hot dogs with bacon wrapped around it. <laughs> tacos, uh, taco weed. <laughs> Fucking cross is is cross contaminated smells a thing? I don't know, but yeah. By the time I got back in the car, my nose is bleeding. (laughs) I think the the weed thing too is interesting there because yeah, you know anybody can smoke weed; it's not an issue, right? But what people were doing, like smoking weed, walking down the street, there's um, you know people eating at restaurants and stuff like that, and they just blowing loud weed walking by and stuff. It's kind of it's kind of obnoxious in a sense, just because. You know, they've taken it to an extreme just because they know they're not going to get in trouble for smoking it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It's just, it, it's hilarious, man. I, I don't, there's some people that are from LA and they're like, I love it there. It's my home and this and that. That's cool. But um, in LA, in, ba- in, in, well, let me slow my shit down. My brain's moving too fast. <laughs> in Bakersfield, we don't shit on sidewalks. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, actually, you think you, I think you said you seen somebody taking a shit out here one yeah, day. Yeah, it's not regular. It's not. Yeah. It's, not as, it's not as rampant. <laughs> Baker sure don't got a street doo doo problem. <laughs> a street doo doo. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. Oh, oh. By the way, they they have these cleaning crews that are in L.A. that they literally clean the streets and sweep up and clean up. And it's usually near Skid Row. And what they had to do during COVID is they literally had to take everybody's tent and shit and move them out the way. And they had to clean the sidewalk with hazmat suits on. What do you think the job application said? Like Skid Row janitor? No, I just said, uh, do you need a job, nigga? (laughs) (laughs) Are you desperate? Come out here and clean these shit covered uh, sidewalks. That's the lowest of the low, man. It's fucked up, man, but it's years of shit and piss marinated into the sidewalk. Yeah. It's fuck, man. It's so disgusting. It's bad. LA is out of control, man. They got to yeah. figure it out. Even in front of the police department, they have these hideous looking rock. Oh, my God. Yeah. That are across the front of the, the police department. Yes. And, um,. They have them there, so people won't be camping out and sleeping in front of the the police department. It, I, I I liken it to what they use for pigeons on mm-hmm. buildings. Like you know, on buildings they put those spikes so the pigeons can't come in there and chill. But somehow, yeah. sometimes the pigeons they walk mosey around it. They mo they they mosey around it, or they just sit on the spikes. Yeah, I, apparently I, apparently pigeons like anal. I don't I don't that's know. Crazy. <laughs> that's wild. Niggas is crazy. Pigeons but they had they had um. They had those at our apartment 
remember I was telling you about oh, it. Oh, yeah. They, uh, <clears throat> so in front of our apartment, there's like an AC unit that sticks outside of the, the, the wall. Mm-hmm. And um, there's like a roof and there's like a small enclosure where a pigeon could, could kind of come and, you know, just kind of find some shelter and stuff. So during mostly during the summer, the, the pigeons will come and they would, you know, on top of everybody's apart, apartment uh, AC unit. They would go up there and chill. And then they, we started to try to do things in order to, to make them so they're not like living up there because it's just disgusting doo-doo right. and all, all this kind of stuff. Right. So first it was a thing where they got there. And um, we would kind of shoo them away, like, you know, get a broom or maybe beat on the thing and then they would fly away and then that would be that would be it. And then they would just be they would get they would get too smart. So what we would do is try to put like some sort of reflective thing. So sometimes they don't like the the shininess and like Mm -hmm. the sun reflecting off of shiny things and it kind of steers them away. Um, but that wasn't working. They just the pigeons are very like adaptable. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? They they just kind of like they could kind of live in any environment. So they got, they bypassed that. That wasn't doing nothing. So um, next thing you know, they got the bright idea to do that. Like basically put a bunch of nails into a, uh, like this wood slat thing Mm. and they put it up there and that, that steered them away for, for a little bit. And then, you know, like I said, they, they pigeons, they can live in any sort of situation. So uh, they started climbing up there, like little by little, and we was beating them away and trying to get get them out of there. Um, but they would go away, and then they would come back, and then eventually, they was up there enough to where they had whole like they laid some eggs up there, and then like it was it was just a whole situation. Wow. So, yeah, I remember once like I came home though, and usually like the pigeons get scared. So like you show them away and then they just fly away. Right, right, right. right. But I came home, it might have been like one a.m. or something like that. And the pigeon was just up there looking. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I was like, hey, like, get, like, nigga, get out of here. And it just wouldn't move. It was just like, <laughs> I pay bills right here. <laughs> and I got, I was sweating. That, nigga. That, it was that, so hot. That, yeah. that pigeon turned into Jody Stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> Little nigga, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> Twigs and butter, twigs and butter. <laughs> but nah, that was. Just, I tried to shoo it away, and like I couldn't. I, it just didn't. Nothing. Nothing was working. So oh man, I just had to hurry up and like try to get but, in the house. By the way, I don't want to jump, but that piece of doo doo that we seen with a piece of bread on it was right in front of the fucking police station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm not. I'm not like pro police, anti police, but they dealing with a lot of shit out That's there. That's terrible working conditions. Literally. They're dealing with a lot of shit. <laughs> That's it's why like, they be beating niggas up because they gotta they gotta walk out of work and see doo all on the ground. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. We don't want to use that as a. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you gotta be a bold motherfucker to take a shit in front of the police department mm-hmm. and then put a piece of bread on it. <laughs> God damn, that's, that's fucking crazy. wild, man. But. Yeah, yeah, that that's just that's one late for you. So if anybody out there, you live in New York or the Midwest or something, and you're wondering, like, man, should I move to LA to pursue my dreams? I think you should pursue your dreams, but you just got to know what you're getting into when you move to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's another thing that we picked up, just you know, because since we do a podcast and we're <laughs> we're thinking people, we just start thinking about stuff, and I was like, yo, it takes a, a you know a speci- it takes. A decent amount of money to do the things you like doing. Yeah. Because let's think about it. In L.A., it's packed, and you have to pay for parking. 
So just yesterday alone, we paid almost $30 in parking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? $30 in parking. So $30 in parking. And then once we got there, we already had paid for the show, obviously paid for gas to get out there, um, went to eat on like two different times, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> got to the show and the beer was 16 bucks. And I was like, oh, whatever. But just, to, just think about how much money you have to spend in the world, like if you have a girl or if you're just going out with family or whatever, like if you're broke in society, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Because you can't do shit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, well, you go to a park or do something that doesn't cost money. But for the most part, when people want to do shit that costs money and you can't because you don't got it, then you're like a buzzkill. Yeah. It's like, man, I, man, he ain't never got no money. Yeah, I, I know for me, like, um, maybe when I was, like, uh, 18, 19, 20 years old and I didn't really have money, um, I missed out on so many different things that I wanted to do, like, you know, going to see Kobe Bryant play or seeing a Laker game or going to a 49er game or something like that. And, you know, I think now um, I try not to miss many opportunities that I really, really, really want to do because it's uh, – it's, it's trash when you got to see what people are doing via social media and you can't be there, you know? So, yeah. But it, it is a blessing to just be able to do stuff like that. Spend $30 on parking. Spend $16 mm-hmm. on a beer and not really have to uh, worry about, you know, paying your bills and whatnot. So, yeah, definitely blessed. Yeah, man. And, and you, I think about, like, 10 years ago, like, going to certain events, you don't have the money to do it. And then it'll put you in the fucking hole. Yeah. So then you also liken that to like living in Los Angeles. Like, bro, you can't move anywhere without money. Yeah. It's nuts, man. And um, I, I kind of want to sum this up but or close it out and start talking about Andrew's show because I'm pretty sure people are like, what about the show? Just stop talking about all this nonsense. But yeah, um, everything costs money. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, I think not to... Uh, postpone the conversation more, but mm-hmm. I think success costs money. You know what yeah, I mean? It does. Like we talk about on this podcast how much money we're putting out and not really, you know, recouping any of that money. So success. I mean, even if you want to be a musician or whatever the case may be, uh, studio time, uh, podcasting, you spending money starting a clothing brand, you spending money on shirts and um, sh- the labor for a print shop and all these different things. So it's uh, I think. It's we hear a lot of people, the Gary, the Gary V's and Eric Thomas's and all these people, they talk about success in the sense of work ethic and hard work and, you know, the time spent and 10,000 hours and all that. But I don't think a lot of people talk about the amount of money that you have to be in order spend in order to be successful. So, yeah, that's a fact. Um, all right. Let's get right into uh, what the main topic was. Andrew's infamous tour, Mr. Hezzy himself. So. We're all sitting there. Timer goes off for five minutes, right? And it's got this dope mix of music. They did a good job with, like, the production. Mm-hmm. So they did a good mix with that, and the countdowns from five minutes. And then they start talking and whatnot. And uh, I think actually, um, actually, oh, Mark Gagnon was first. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, shout out to Mark Gagnon. Great fucking job. Great job for Mark Gagnon. He opened up. Perfectly. No, Mark wasn't first. That other dude. Black oh, the dude black guy. He was yeah. opening. I forgot yeah. his name. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mark did a great job. The black guy. What was his name? I wish I knew. I don't know. Fuck. He was, yeah, they both did a great job. But Mark mm-hmm. did a great job of really opening 
the black dude really didn't open. He kind of like warmed it up, almost like a host almost. Yeah. He's an opener, technically. He's an opener, technically, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Mark did a great fucking job. He was hilarious. But by the time it got, um, they bringing Andrew out, they put this big ass video up on this, this, this big screen, right? And it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer, we all know him from UFC, fighting in the UFC. Mm-hmm. They had that up there. And they say, you know what? We could do one better for you. So they actually bring out Bruce fucking Buffer. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Buffer is just giving it to the fan. And everybody's losing it. Mm-hmm. Because Bruce Buffer is synonymous with like, okay, this shit's about to go down. Yeah, You know, he's done all the huge fights to Conor McGregor's and all them. Mm-hmm. And he opens up and he's like, the undefeated heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world, <laughs> Andrew. And then, and but he, I don't know what he said the middle name, the hitman or whatever he called him. Mm-hmm. And then he came out and I was just like, wow, this is dope. Andrew had so many fucking hilarious jokes about abortion. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And and what's funny is is people that are so politically correct and they're mad and they want to cancel him. They're not at his shows. Yeah, Andrew has his people at his shows. That is the dope thing about Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew has found a way. <clears throat> To literally get away with saying certain things because the funny in it, mm-hmm. you know, certain uh, uh, like racial jokes or gay jokes or rape jokes. And it's like, if you laugh at rape jokes, you're an asshole. And it's like, unfortunately, he found a way to make rape jokes hilarious. Yeah. And it's it's comedy in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It is comedy in a nutshell. You're not laughing at rape. You're laughing at this twisted concept that he's found a way to take it to the house and make you fucking laugh. Mm-hmm. And until you actually listen to it, like it was crazy too, is it's weird how so many people are politically correct, but then they'll go to a comedy show and laugh their ass off. Mm-hmm. Like in that moment, they get lost and they're like, oh, I love this. And they leave and they're like, well, equal rights. And mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a lot more I got. Yeah. yeah, I think um, that was the, I mean, that if you're, if you, are familiar with Andrew Schultz, you know that his, uh, the way he uh, forms his jokes is by taking um, a, a normal everyday concept or a normal everyday situation and then finding like the twisted, um, a twisted take on on right. that situation. So that that's the thing like that he does. Like he, and I don't want to give too much of his jokes, but no, um, basically, you know, uh, he went on a maybe like a 15 minute spiel about how like um, he wishes Donald Trump was president again. And you know what I mean? Like that's that's a take that, you know, it doesn't technically make sense. And I don't think he genuinely believes that he wants Donald Trump as president. But that's the kind of like tone in which he tells his jokes. So right. he kind of always finds this like twisted, twisted way of uh, of thinking. And it makes people like I I, I know for me, like. I was sitting in the in the audience and a couple times I was like I wasn't even laughing or uh, stale faced or anything. I was just like in shock like oh my god like he he really said that and it mm-hmm. was just like it was very um very impressive to me. I just think that whole situation especially as we talked about you know at the start of our um I guess the genesis of our podcast when we were talking on the road uh you know when he was driving trucks and and for me, I was going back and forth to school, um, and that's when I discovered the brilliant idiots. Right. And um, just seeing that 
when they were maybe getting, you know, 50,000 listens an episode or whatever. And then to see him now selling out tours. Yeah. Um, and just, just to, I mean, even kind of going back before the show started, me and Eddie were, uh, we had walked by the the building and then um, we had actually forgot that there were two shows. Yeah. So there was two seven. shows on Friday and then two shows on Saturday. Um, so there was one show. Yeah, like you said, there was one show at seven at, at seven p.m. So when we walked by, I was thinking like maybe they were going to start letting people in, um, like opening the door maybe at at nine or eight thirty or something to where you could just go in there and sit down and you know relax or whatever. But they really didn't start letting people in until pretty much nine thirty. But when you walk by the front of the Orpheum. Um, it's it's just like this huge block. So when you walk by the front of the Orpheum, the line is already starting. And mm-hmm. we're like, damn, it's a, you know, it's already a lot of people out here, right? So we walk down, mm-hmm. boom, we make a left, and then we like, yo, it's all the way down the block. So we walking and walking, yeah. and we like, yo, all these people is here to see Andrew Schultz. Yeah. So we walk even more, and then we make a left on another on the other. Um, we got to go behind the other line. line. Yeah. So it's even wrapped around that way, and it was probably. You know, 20, 20 or so feet down that way, and then we finally got in line. Yeah. And then as we're standing in line, it's more and more people piling Coming behind in. us, like piling up, piling up. Yeah. And, and you could see like everybody that was walking by, everybody was just saying, "Hey, is this like what are you guys in line for?" And people mm-hmm. like Andrew Schultz, and I was like, "Yo!" And these are people that were actually like going to the show. So right. They were <laughs> they were they were talking to us and. um you know, asking us about the situation. And then they were kind of in shock that they had to go stand in line mm-hmm. way wrapped around the block. Yeah. So it was just a trip. Like if you could imagine a block where it's just wrapped around like a, almost you, a full uh, square. You have to understand why this is happening, though. What people don't realize is the pandemic made Andrew bigger. Yeah. Because Andrew never left. Even though it was a lot of times he couldn't do stand up, he was doing a podcast all the time. So he kept the pulse of the people. Uh-huh. And and we also bought tickets before the pandemic. Yeah. So we already had planned on going to the show. Mm-hmm. And imagine a, a whole year and a, a, half. a whole year and a half goes by. Mm-hmm. There's no shows. He can't do it. Um, but he he's doing a podcast every week with brilliant idiots and flagrant too. So Flagrant 2 has one of the biggest Patreons in podcasting, mm-hmm. right? So you got those people coming to the shows. It was one dude came up like, asshole army. Yeah, like, dude had a Flagrant 2 sweater had on. a Flagrant 2 sweater. Like mm-hmm. he has his people coming to the show. That is the difference. Like there's only certain people that have their people. I would say Joe Coy. Mm-hmm. Joe Coy is another one because since he's Filipino, there's a big Filipino following, especially in California, you know, but it's other people that like Joe Coy, obviously, but- um, he's got his people. Mm-hmm. Andrew has his core people. And this was almost like the vaccine to people because finding normalcy in laughing at jokes with a bunch of other people there mm-hmm. is a, just an amazing experience. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard. It's like all of you are enjoying the same moment at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, where are the black people at? And there weren't a lot of them, right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot of black people. In yeah, it was us. I just clapped up there. But mm-hmm. it's like, he said, now you got all the white people looking at the black people in the audience. Yeah. And it wasn't a lot of us. But it was just hilarious how he was able to catch that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, uh, it, was, it was an amazing show. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get a chance to see Andrew Schultz, if he comes back to California, which I'm sure he will, mm-hmm. um, buy those fucking tickets. Yeah, I think. 
I just think for, for, for me, obviously I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Childish Gambino. I'm a fan of Andrew Schultz. I'm a fan. I'm going to the J. Cole concert too. I'm a fan of all these people, but I think the thing He's that- dropped a bag for that J. Cole. Why you got to say all that? <laughs> Keith, but, Keith was like, all right, here's my car. Here's my house. Here you go. Here's my life insurance. Here's my- <laughs> this is what happens. If you don't pay for enough haircuts, you can maybe save your uh, save your money. Yeah, man. To a J. Cole concert. Yeah. Or if you just drive around in a bucket like I do, you can save your money and go to J. Cole. But nah, um, but. For me, the the journey is is very impressive. Like I I discovered um, actually through my boy Tree, he showed me Childish Gambino, um, maybe 2011 when we were at Bakersfield College. So from there um, to you know going to the show in 2018, you know you see from uh, you know from 2011 to 2018, like just the progress and. The, the the growth and you know the right. growth in the skill set the growth in the the show and the the spectacle of it all and the right. the the growth and popularity um so it's just amazing to see like for me even for j cole me and my boy renee and my boy blue when we were in college we were uh playing friday night lights like just wearing it out you know and then to oh, see yeah. now um in 2021 to, you know to be going to that concert and it's it's going to be crazy. Um, and to see Andrew Schultz, you know, like I said, me and Eddie um, discovered him right around the same time, just listening to Brilliant Idiots and listening to the podcast and stuff and not even really being familiar with what he did outside of the podcast. Right. And then starting to see when he's posting his uh, stand-up clips and you're like, yo, this dude is, you know, pretty funny. And, you yeah. know, Charlemagne kind of co-signed him like, yo, this is this is the guy. This dude, Andrew, is hilarious. Um, and then taking a look at his content and seeing that he putting out just YouTube clips all the time. Super consistent. Yeah, and then doing the whole um, the crowd work, 30 minutes of non-written yeah. jokes, and he just going out there and killing. Andrew's and a fucking um, guy. Yeah, and then to see it now to where he, sell, he, sold, he sold out four shows at the Orpheum. That's a 2,000-seat venue. Um, so, And he probably could have sold more shows, but you know maybe due to time or whatever the case may be. What I love about Andrew more than anything is I feel like we have... We don't have a mirroring thing because he's obviously way bigger than us. But what I love about him is he took a shot on himself. He did. He, he got. He tried to get his, uh, you know, things picked up by big, like, like by companies, and they just slammed the door in his face. They mm-hmm. never gave him a shot. So he took yeah. it upon himself to take a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the, the 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 stuff Russ was doing. The artist Russ. Russ yeah, was, he talked about that. Yeah, he talked <clears throat> about that on the podcast with Russ. Mm-hmm. About how he was posting clips every week, and he knew that people had a a, a, a a low attention span, so he would post only so long of the clips, and he'd post multiple clips until eventually they start gravitating to the content. See, here's the thing: when you're like me and Keith, there's a core of people who love your content. We have some people that love us, but we have more people who don't give a fuck about us, and mm-hmm. that's what that's what you have to realize going into any content creation. Don't let it discourage you. Keep working, especially if you're putting out great content. Know that eventually that small core group of people you have is going to divide itself by 20. Mm-hmm. So keep on like the number one thing you have to do is emphasize on the people who support you and put the best content out for them mm-hmm. because those people are going to tell people. Yeah. And when those people tell people, those people will tell people and the yeah. word of mouth will get big. And mm-hmm. then eventually somebody. mouth. 
Huh? A big mouth. All right, Keith. Stop fucking up. All right. Now, <laughs> and eventually, you're going to get the pulse of the people. Yeah. Andrew is a product of being heckled. He is a product of, um, you know, people not liking some of his jokes. He just never quit. All right, Andy. He never quit. Mm-hmm. You got people saying fucked up comments about him on YouTube or or, or on um, Instagram. Sandy said the N-word. Sandy said the N-word when mm-hmm. he didn't. And look at how far he has came. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's, it's almost like su- supporting Andrew is like supporting yourself if you are a content creator. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like I was supporting, supporting one of the boys. I didn't feel like I was going to watch... You know, some big wig dude. And Andrew has, he respects the people that, that fuck with him. You mm-hmm. can tell. Mm-hmm. So, man, shout out to Andrew, man. Um, if you come across this, which you probably won't, but if you do, man, just know you got people that fuck with you, man. That- yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the thing, uh, the thing that I like the most, too, is the, the tone of his content is, is like a throwback. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like... Um, now the NBA has shifted to three pointers and right. you know just just this fast paced offenses, things like that. They're taking the center out of the NBA pretty much. But Andrew Schultz is like, imagine if uh, a Tim Duncan or a Shaq or that whole era, the '90s, 2000s yeah. era comes back, and he's just like a real fundamentalist. Right. Um, and just the tone of it, like that edgy, that edgy uh, content that we grew up listening to. Because some somewhere along the line in the 2010s, everyone just got it really. Everyone, all comedians got so much more popular. They get yeah. movie deals and yeah. Netflix specials and all these kind of things. And Andrew Schultz is like, yo, I just don't like where comedy is going. I don't mm-hmm. like that we can't say anything anymore. I don't like that they're trying to cancel these comedians and they're, um, they're going to see shows where artists or comedians have not worked out these jo- jokes fully and they're trying to get canceled by bloggers and stuff like that. So. He's like, I'm going to lean into it more so. Like, yeah. I'm not running away from this content. This is a content that I grew up on. This is a content that I like. So right. he just kind of doubled down on that, and it, and it worked out for him. Yeah, he know? talked about it having a rippling effect. He did, he said that it, it, he's not the solely responsible for bringing <clears throat> edgy comedy back, but he said that there is a rippling effect, and there's <laughs> and he is one of the guys doing it, and mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. But the, the most important thing about Andrew is that when he does say something that, you know, could, you know, be sensitive or whatever he does it in such a masterful way that you can't cast you can't cancel him you have to laugh you have to laugh because you would be lying to yourself if you didn't laugh Mm -hmm. and he talked like and there was a there was something he's talking about and i don't want to say none of his jokes out of respect but he mentioned about how we're all a little fucked up and how we think things Mm -hmm. and (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how we fight back saying those things but we all think them yeah and it's the truth, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah, he, I think he's entering that era. Um, and if you kind of liken it to a Dave Chappelle's Dave Chappelle's career, um, I forget the name of the show where he's in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this infamous tour is probably that era. Like oh, yeah. comparable era. And then after this, he's going to just start honing in more so, and he's going to be crafting jokes so well that he said, like, he said, next stop, Staples Center. Yeah, when he left. Yeah, yeah, but you should think like that when you Andrew Schultz. This is what I wanted to remember. Andrew Schultz wrote down on a piece of old-ass piece of paper mm-hmm. about what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. So he did more than speak it into existence. He wrote that shit down, and he has a crumbled-up piece of paper that he had in his fucking wallet. Yeah. 
So it's like, dude, you got to understand who you're dealing with. You're not dealing with a guy who's just funny. You're dealing with a guy who has crafted this whole world for himself. Yeah. And it came together and it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. This is why I have to feel like this is going to be one of the biggest podcasts in America someday. Yeah. Because if you don't think big, then you will always live small. Mm-hmm. So my objective is to look beyond that wall. Like there's a wall that is in front of us. But behind that wall is another room. And then there's another room. And then there's another room. I'm looking outside the fucking building. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do if we want something to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think like I said before, the, the, the amazing thing to me is the story and the journey. And it's, it's strange because you, like, we see a lot of people here locally that do uh, comedy and they do stand-up. Um, but uh, I think the thing that we are starting to realize is that there's a separation in the discipline. There's a separation in the mindset. Um, and it's, it, it does come down to talent. Um, but talent is kind of like maybe 10, 20 percent of actually the, the necessary things you need to be successful. Because when you see Andrew Schultz, obviously he's funny, he's talented, he can, you know, he, he can make people laugh. But a lot of people can make people laugh that's you true. know what i mean and but it after that it comes down to what separates you and then that's yes. what he talked about his work ethic he yes. talked about getting up on stage every week and um doing he's he has two podcasts you know what i mean mm-hmm. he has and he's doing stand-up in between all these things he's probably mm-hmm. and i don't even know we don't even know what his regimen is really like mm-hmm. um we probably wouldn't know until we had a conversation with him but he's mm-hmm. up at he's up at these shows all the time he's yeah. he's recording everything um, he, he, I mean, he got a Netflix deal during the quarantine. Exactly. You know what I mean, so yeah, and it was pretty much the content that he was already posting um, yep. on social media and on YouTube. That's and why you got to like stick that. to being yourself. Exactly. So it worked out for him. So and and we don't even know where he's selling his his infamous tour special. At. I mean, he has a huge deal that's probably in the works now, and mm-hmm. they haven't released you know, the space in which is going to be. And, and it's probably going to be so left. We, we're going to be like, dang, I didn't even expect him to do that. You know what I mean? And here's the reason why you got to believe in yourself. And I'll <clears throat> wrap this up. The reason why it's important to believe in yourself is because everyone that's around him is a product of it. I think Mark Gagnon was talking about like, fuck, two years ago, I was an open micer. Mm-hmm. Now he's open up for Andrew Schultz. Then you talk about uh, Alex Media. Alex Media started off as a fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he started off as a fan of the show and then turned into production and, and editing and things for the content. Yeah. So it's like you have... Huh? That, I think that is um, a testament to Andrew as well. Right. Like him just being able... And that pe- people have done that for him as far as like Charlemagne and other yes. people. But he's putting those Mark Gagnon in a position to where me leaving the show, I'm like, dang, like I already knew who he was, but dang, right. I didn't know he was like, that I didn't know he was funny. that funny. Like maybe let me, let me follow him on Instagram. Let me see what he's, what type of content he's, uh, he, he has, um, going on. And then, you know, with Alex, like I said, Andrew's just putting people in position to where Alex is directing, you know, his Netflix special mm-hmm. and he has a hand in all these different creative things and everybody, you could tell, that they just look like money now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You see mm-hmm. when Alex comes out, he got new J's on and his jacket is all clean and mm-hmm. Schultz has, he, he, Schultz doesn't dress that much different, but his clothes just look newer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So you could tell like people have just elevated 
And um, that's what you want. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's what you want. You want to elevate the people around you, man. Mm -hmm. And I think that he talked about this also on flagrant about how just giving to people how it feels good, how Joe Rogan having you on his show, the Joe Rogan effect and how real it is. Yeah. Right. I feel like that's why I talked about on the podcast separately. Like if the Lord blesses me or when he does and I have an abundance of money or access, I want to find others with content that is comparable or good or just funny or whatever it is. And I want to say, hey, that guy's good. And since everyone has since everyone has given me credit for being great at what I do, then they've bought into me. So yeah. if they bought into me and I say, hey, folks, that guy's good. Now they all looking at him and they see how great that person is. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about giving. A lot of times giving to people, you don't have to give a dollar, literally. And that's what Charlemagne did for freaking him. Mm -hmm. You know, even, even though Charlemagne had him as, has him as a uh, co-host, that doesn't really mean shit. You could just be stuck in that bubble of being a co-host to Charlemagne. But he's so great that he took being a co-host to Charlemagne and turned it into being one of the best comedians out today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that's, you know, that's it's super impressive because, like yeah. you said, it, it, you can't just show up and, right. be, you know, be on the show with, with Charlemagne. You know, he's doing groundwork outside of that. He's building his studio. He's doing stand-up and posting the clips and stuff like that and using uh, Charlemagne's platform to kind of grow himself into where he's, like, an equal to right. Charlemagne now. That's dope. Um, I think, like you said earlier... Um, as far as, you know, reaching back for people and helping them out and putting them into position. I think here locally, there's a lot of people um, and I get annoyed or I at least I used to get annoyed because <clears throat> in my heart, I know that I can add value to a lot of situations. That there you go. Locally. There's people that own different businesses that I'll reach out to like, hey, and it's literally it. something that happened the other day and I won't really say who or what, but. They posted a uh, a, a um, thing on their on their Instagram page that they were hiring a certain position, mm -hmm. and I reached out to him. I was like, "Yo, like, you know, I def I want to help because it, it seemed like an exciting job to do." Mm -hmm. And um, they the, the guy just seen my message and he just went on about his day. And then I yeah. messaged the actual I messaged the person that owns the the business, and then I messaged the the page, and ne neither one of them responded. Right, mm -hmm. so. Um, that was one thing. And it's a couple other people here in town that create content. I'll reach out to them or, you know, I, I, I will offer unsolicited like right. help to them. Like, right. yo, I, I'll help you do anything. I'll, you know, I'll carry your bags. Not literally, Not but literally. you know what I mean? I'll, yeah. I, I'll do anything that just kind of help you and bring value to you. Um, but you just, you never hear back from these people. So yeah. for me, um, and I was talking to, talking to this um, talking about this with DJ, I was like, yo, this is this is how these dudes move out here, and it's fine. You know, you could do whatever. You, it's annoying. I'm not going to front like it doesn't affect me in any kind of way. Right, it's right, annoying. Right. But I just know for, for us, when we get on, we won't move like that, mm -hmm. and we already don't move like that. Right. So um, it's just something to be mindful of because – those people, they always going to double back. Oh, yeah, they're going to double back. Like our podcast is only getting more more and more popular. Mm -hmm. You know, our content outside of the podcast is only getting more and more popular. Mm -hmm. The people that we surround ourselves with are, are growing as well. Mm -hmm. So it's only a matter of time before those people that, you know, kind of turned an eye to what you were doing. It's going to be so much in their face that they just have to recognize it. 
And yeah. at, that's, at that point, the ball's in our court to whether we could, we could be like, nah, I'm not really, I'm too busy right now. Mm-hmm. I can't really do that for you. No, not even that. What's going to happen is I'll just be like, hey, talk to my assistant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my assistant will be like, sorry, he's busy right now. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Me and Keith have had comparable experiences and, and probably way more Keith than me because he has more uh, access when it comes to like editing and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But there have been a lot of people that just downplayed us. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll send someone a message and they just look at it and don't respond. And I'm like, that's fine. That's cool. But guess what I realized? What? I realized, one, I don't make myself as if I'm so important and that you need me. But I do realize that as I continue to ascend, I'm going to care less and less about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I more or less look at it as this. It's more it's going to become more of an opportunity for you to deal with me than the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yo, I'm willing to help just because I like you. I like what you're doing. And if you don't want to mess with me, that's cool. But don't try to double back. Yeah. Well, don't don't try that. that <laughs> I think the worst thing you can do is um, there's, cer- there's certain people, right? There's certain people that have uh, an elephant-like memory. And there's certain people that use those type of situations as fuel. Mm-hmm. So you think about Michael Jordan's, you know, he, he remember every. A fan ever said, everything a player yep. ever said, everything a coach ever said, and he uses that as fuel um, when he's playing against these people on the court. Tom Brady, the same way. You know, he, 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 he prop, if, if it was a smooth exit outside of the Patriots organization, he might have never even went to the Super Bowl. He would have been True. in Tampa Bay playing decent, excuse me, but for whatever reason, the way Bill Belichick treated him or whomever or bringing in other quarterbacks and trying to replace him and all these kind of things, that just you know gave him that fuel to, to go on and be successful. So Andrew Schultz the same way. There are people that slighted him. So you know I'm sure he used that as fuel to, to just grow and sell out his whole tour. So those, right. that's the type of like, that's the type of uh, cloth that I am cut from. I don't, for, I don't forget um, anything that anybody's ever said. I have like I have all these unresponded to messages mm-hmm. and, you know what I mean, phone calls. It turns into motivation. Because yeah, exactly. now what you get to do is, is you can, you can uh, leave me on scene or not do that. And it's cool. I don't, I don't have expectations. I just wanted to help. But now you get to enjoy the pleasure of watching my life get better and better and better and better yeah. while you stay down here because you operate down here. Mm-hmm. If you want to ascend and go somewhere, you got to operate upwards, not down here. You, and my thing is, is, People like to compete for some reason. I'm not here to compete. I'm here to help. Yeah. When someone asks me for something like, hey, what, do you, what, what equipment did you use or what do you do? I've had multiple people, multiple people ask me questions. I'm there to help. I'm there to help anyone. I'm competing with myself also. A hundred percent. I'm competing mm-hmm. with myself only. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm here to help anyone that, that needs it or feels like if you feel like I'm a reliable source for, for information, I'm flattered by that alone. I appreciate the fact that you seen that I see me as an important person to ask a question, mm-hmm. right? But if I try to help you in any capacity and you left me on scene, I'm not tripping on you. You good? We're good. Mm-hmm. But stay down here while I go up here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, we'll close out this conversation. Uh, uh, Andrew, Alex, Media, Akash, Charlemagne, everybody in that camp over there, Mark Gagnon. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all, man. And the, the, the show was amazing. And we'll be at the next one. Mm-hmm. All right. Switching gears. Uh, Milk Crate Challenge. 
Um, I don't know how many of you guys have seen it recently, but the milk crate challenge has been pretty popular. It's it's basically people um, walking on milk crates and trying not to crack their fucking neck. (laughs) So let me give you a little bit of insight here. What is the milk crate challenge? Video goes viral uh, of people testing their balance. Um, A video showing a man uh, participating in a so-called milk crate challenge went viral, gaining 5 million views on Twitter as of Sunday. The footage posted by a multimedia production company, Surveillance Studios, shows a man attempting to climb and go back down a staircase made of plastic milk crates while allegedly rolling a weed joint without falling. So, yeah, the guy was rolling a blunt. Very talented young man. Um, when, When he reaches the ground... The man lights up the alleged substance, <laughs> celebrating the victory of passing the task. A, a small crowd can be seen in the video gathered around the crates, cheering for the man and filming him. Uh, and basically, what is the milk crate challenge? Uh, the challenge grew popular over the past several days among many people. According to Complex, people have been filming the challenge and posting it. Uh, under milk crate challenge on social media with the trend growing people began placing large bets on who wins the challenge not all the videos posted show participants rolling joints as they climb up and go back down the staircase of milk crates but a number of clips have been posted showing participants failed attempts at completing the task as they struggle to maintain their balance i've watched people get completely and totally annihilated on those fucking milk crates (laughs) There was this older black man with some Tims on. I'm like, dude, why the fuck are you up there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even wow. think Tims are so heavy on their own. Like, that's not really. That's You got to put on some some Rochers or something like that. Too. All I know is this. Um, first of all, you mainly see black and brown people competing in this. And the reason why is because we're the only ones that know where to get these milk crates. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I, I I think there's some white people that want to get involved in this challenge, but like, hey, mom, where's the, where, where, where can we get milk crates at? Yeah. Where are the milk crates, mom? What's going on? <laughs> but you can't get them because all the black people got milk crates. Yeah, where do they think, get them at? Where do, you, where do you think they get them at? Oh, easy, man. From the fucking school in the neighborhood. Yeah, got to get them from the school. A lot of these kids get them free lunches, man, and they mm-hmm. just take the milk crates home. <laughs> yeah. Um that's something I observed. You don't Niggas see. used to put uh, basketball hoops in the milk crates, too. Yeah, we, exactly. We've mm-hmm. been getting milk crates for centuries. Yeah. We have been getting milk. We have originated the milk crate basketball hoop, and, and, and it's hilarious how you see these milk crates everywhere in the hood. Yeah. They Some are. people think that Naismith invented basketball, but really it was a nigga in the hood. It was a man crate. named Tyrone Jenkins Smith. <sighs> it was the first man to cut open the bottom of a milk crate and turn it into a basketball hoop. And he connected it to a light pole. He used the light pole as a backboard. <laughs> Thank you, Tyrone Jenkins Smith, for your innovation of the milk crate basketball. Oh, man, forever. Rest in peace. Yeah, RIP, man. Uh, he died of child support. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, people are fucking themselves up. And yeah. it, it's completely a stupid challenge. But I, it was this girl that did it, and she got across, and she did it so smooth. Uh-huh. But here's the dumb part. When people are doing a milk crate challenge, they're doing it on grass. But, oh, no, I know why they're doing it. Because if you fall on cement, you're fucked. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a no-brainer. You have to do it yeah. on grass. It might be slightly more sturdy on the cement, but um, 
if you fall, it's over. You're done. Cement, yeah, that's you, ugly. You're done. Your brain's open. You're you're cracking your head open. Yeah, it's a concussion. It was this fat happen. dude. It was this uh this Mexican guy, big guy. He was mm-hmm. doing it. And I'm like, why you got your big ass up there? So he's doing it. He's getting up to the top, and then it just fucking flips it's underneath him, and he just lands on his shoulder. Bam! Oh my gosh! Yeah, they need to call this the healthcare challenge. So hopefully, these motherfuckers got healthcare. <laughs> I I think the the uh, hospitals are probably promoting this urgent cares and whatnot. They're probably like boosting these posts because it, it's more it, you know people like oh man I want to do that myself. So that just leads more people to go into the hospital and making more money. I don't. I think the nurses are tired of these motherfuckers. How'd you hurt yourself? And you're like, I was on the milk crates. And it's like, oh, <laughs> go way out in the lobby, sir. Yeah, go way out in the lobby. Yeah, it's it's it, like you said. It's one of those just stupid trends. Who knows how these things get popular? It's just the internet. Um, but in two weeks, there's going to be another thing. Yeah, just like how they had the busted challenge and all these kind of things. These things just come and challenges are crazy. I'm surprised the motherfucker didn't try to hula hoop with his dick. Wait, what? Motherfucker put a hula hoop on his dick and go like this. The hula hoop challenge. The hula hoop challenge. See who really hung out here. (laughs) That's some stupid motherfuckers ever do it. (laughs) They be like, look, look, look. This how you do it. (laughs) Like I'm sorry, uh, Tyrone Jenkins Smith. Everybody's not uh, as talented as you, man. Right? Be a bunch of Asian niggas like swinging the hula hoop everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think these challenges only become popular because people are fucking themselves up. And I think that people enjoy pain. Uh, Shout out to Andrew Andrew Schultz because he mentioned this. He said that like little kids even enjoy violence. Like when you're a little kid, when you when you see a baby, a baby doesn't really know anything about the world. Mm-hmm. But if you hunt, if you hit yourself and go, oh, oh, the baby is like, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. So kids learn at a very early age that pain makes them laugh. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up, but it's true. Yeah. If there's a baby that's crying and you act like you hurt yourself, they will start laughing. Yeah, that baby is also a psychopath. It's a fucking psychopath baby. Yeah, baby psycho. Take it back to the hospital. Get a new one. <laughs> Did you keep your receipt for your baby? <laughs> Did you keep your 30-day warranty? <laughs> I guess there are some, some things that uh, are um, inherent to us. Like, you know, maybe laughing at pain or, like you said, like even when a baby, like, hits you in the head, they may laugh. Yeah. Even if you, like, say, ow, and they may just be, like, laughing and stuff like that. But, um, you have to learn as a, maybe a a preteen or when you're in elementary school, like, hey, that's not, that's not okay. You can't just be out here in society punching people and laughing at them. So, I think some things that are inherent to us, like, just because we have such a higher conscious that we understand, um, that's not that's not normal. That's not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm the type of guy that now I've reached a certain level of maturity that if I see somebody slip and fall, I don't laugh immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't. I used to laugh, but I don't laugh immediately. I yeah. kind of like see if the person's okay, and it's like a delay in my brain now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I don't know why or where it happened in my life, but it's like a block when somebody like looks like they hurt themselves. I don't laugh. Yeah, I but, feel you. But then as soon as they start getting up, nigga, I start dying. I think for me that that has never really been funny, like seeing people hurt themselves. I get I think the most hilarious thing is when people get very angry. So that's my like that's my kryptonite. You know what I'm saying? When I said livid, no blacks. I don't when, want blacks here. When niggas be livid, I'll be dying. Right, right. Yeah. I think the funny one of the funniest videos to me of all time. And I just I I have it on repeat 
and I just cry every time. Like I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. There's this video of this mascot. I think it's like a tiger, and it's at a baseball game. And the tiger's doing like this little shuffle dance, mm-hmm. and he spins around. Okay, you know how there's a dugout in baseball, mm-hmm. and underneath it, the players are obviously in there. But on the side of it, there's a drop off, so you you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. So they were dancing on top of the dugout. Yeah, there was two mascots, and then one mascot does like the electric slide, the cat one, mm-hmm. and he spins around and he fucking just falls down. Mm-hmm. Like he just falls off the building, and I'll just start crying because. He didn't expect it. Yeah. And you see this stuffed cat, like, <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And I know that that guy had to break both of his legs. Oh, my God. Or at least one of them. Something, huh? There's another video of a mascot that's on roller skates, mm-hmm. and he's going fast as fuck. It's also at a baseball game. You guys can look this up. And <laughs> he's on roller skates. And then he's going too fast, and he tries to let go, and he smashes into one of those walls. You know how they have those walls, but they're, like, padded? Yeah. They're, like, green, and they padded walls. Like where the home run is? Right. Mm-hmm. So he runs into the wall, but he breaks his leg. Oh, my gosh. In the fucking mascot suit. So now the mascot leg is backwards. Oh, wow. And I am crying, not because of the broken leg, but because it's in a mascot suit with a broken leg. And the mascot was holding his leg like, oh. And you see the leg like this. So yeah. imagine how fucked up it was coming to the mascot's aid. Mm-hmm. Like, for one, you got a person moaning like, oh, fuck. And they, <laughs> they got this mascot suit on. Yeah. Now you got to cut the mascot leg open yeah. to get to the broken leg. Mm-hmm. Jeez. That's crazy. And these are things that make us laugh. Sometimes fucked up shit makes us laugh or it entertains us. Mm-hmm. So this 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 challenge, this milk crate challenge, is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone should do it. Mm-hmm. It's very dumb. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. But whatever you do, just don't do it on cement. <laughs> yeah, you do it on cement, bro. Oh my God, you're mm-hmm. gonna you're definitely going because it's high enough for you to really hurt yourself. Yeah, it just reminded me. Of, I don't know why when I seen it, it reminded me of like. Uh, like a Super Nintendo game. Yeah, Mario Brothers. When, yeah. he, when he jumps up on those fucking yeah. brown bricks. Yeah. Somebody, if they haven't done that, they need to put that music behind. The dude that's rolling the weed up. He's rolling a blunt. Like, yeah. And then once he dies. Yeah, and then when he, when the dude get at the end, play the Mario beat through the whole thing. And then when he get at the end, just put the... Uh, Smoke weed every day. <laughs> That'd be a perfect video. Oh <laughs> uh, no! Nah, once, once he start rolling up the joint, be like, did it, 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 You remember that beat? Yeah, yeah. I don't know who was doing the producing for Mario back in the day, but that nigga is a beast. Timberland. It probably was Timberland back then. I was listening real close to the Mario, and it was like, freaking, freaking, ah. Like, that's Timberland. That is fucking I Timberland. Knew it was Timberland. I fucking knew it. I knew them drums. Yeah. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, switching gears. OnlyFans rebranding their platform. Um, a lot of people. Oh, man. Hmm? I said, oh man. Oh yeah. Uh, only they should just call it only porn. <laughs> Cause these motherfuckers love that. They should have a subsidiary. That would be smart. 
Oh, yeah, like a second one? Yeah. Like yeah. on, like only porn owned by OnlyFans kind of thing. Wow. And you know what's, you know what's funny about porn? They have like a, 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 a screen that says, are you 18? Yeah. Nigga. Ain't nobody. I've been 18 since I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for liability purposes. Yeah. Like, so you got to be 18 to jerk off? <laughs> This motherfucking 12 years old, 12, they clicking that 18 screen like a motherfucker. Oh, facts. Yeah. They, the, the people that got porn don't give a fuck who watch it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but basically it says, uh, porn made OnlyFans a powerhouse. Now it's banning sexual content after pressure from banks. It says, OnlyFans is banning the one thing that one thing most users go on its site for, pornography. The UK-based content subscription service said Thursday will no longer allow sexually explicit content as of October 1st. OnlyFans is the, is said the decision was taken to comply with the request from its banking and payment providers in order to ensure the long-term sustainability of the platform and to continue to host an ex- inclusive community of creators and fans, we must evolve our content guidelines, OnlyFans said in its statement. Payment processors, MasterCard and Visa, cut ties last year with rival Pornhub after accusation the porn site showed videos containing underage sex, rape, and revenge porn. Pornhub denied claims... Oh, damn, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I don't even know. What is, what is revenge porn? Is this... Uh, maybe like if you're, you broke up with somebody and they sent like news or something or oh. you had sex with them and you break up and it's like, Hey, here's my ex giving me head. But that, like that's driving their content. They have a video like, yeah, I'm fucking your mom. Now what Billy? Yeah. Your mom's got good pussy, bro. Is that revenge porn? <laughs> I think that that is, but I don't think that's the definition. Oh. Revenge porn is more so like kind of outing somebody that you used to oh. affiliation without with. their con, without their, uh. Their consent. Yeah. Okay. And subsequently tightened its rules <laughs> to Billy's pre- mom got some good pussy. Yeah, so he got some good pussy. <laughs> Remember when you wouldn't let me play your video game last week? Now what? Remember you used to bully me? Now I'm bullying your mom's pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. That'd be crazy. Oh, man. And, hey, people may think this is a joke, but there are a lot of older women that are fucking young guys. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of women that are like 42 years old that are fucking dudes that are like 20. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women be having a high sex drive, especially after 36. Uh-huh. 36 is the, is the peak for women's sexual... Um, it's, the, it's the peak of their sex, uh, their sex drive is at 36 mm-hmm. years old. So, yeah. They have some, and this is a super, super tangent. And I didn't even read the full article, but they're, uh, they had new studies about metabolisms mm-hmm. saying that, um, that they found in this new study that your metabolism doesn't necessarily slow down as you get older. Mm. So I had to read the article um, more in depth, but I, I just thought it was interesting because sometimes, sometimes this happens a lot. You know, there's, some, there's certain science that goes around and we just believe it. You know, we think it as as Bible, but maybe the people that put on extra weight as they get older is just like just getting gradually lazier. They're yeah, just not be, necessarily. Could, yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. they could be getting gradually lazier, mm-hmm. or they just gradually keep eating more. Yeah, there you go. They, they keep coming out with these new snacks, the four for four. But that's coming some, out. But that's something that they can lean on though. Like, yo, it's just my metabolism. I'm not really, you know. I yeah, mean, but you can't lean on much if you're gaining weight because you'll break it. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Lean on me. <laughs> Matter of fact, don't lean on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, OnlyFans said it's Thursday would only would, would allow certain posts containing nudity so so long as 
They adhere to its acceptable use policy. It's not clear how that will work in practice. OnlyFans term of service outline a number of things that are prohibited from its platform, including material involving people under 18 and other illegal, harmful content. We will be sharing more details in the coming days and we'll and we will actively support and guide our creators through this change in content guidelines, the company said. Um, what about so um you know that girl bad bad baddy or whatever? Yeah, what about her? So on I think it was on her birthday, she opened up OnlyFans and mm-hmm. you know her thing went crazy and stuff. Yeah, like over a million some dollars. Yeah, but um there's no way she had all of that content prior to being eighteen. You know what I mean? So she probably created some of that stuff when she was 17. So I wonder Fuck. I wonder how they're gauging this. Like, you know, they have wow. to be 18 or something. Wow. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. She's got months of fucking over, uh, like, older guys. Yeah. Probably. I don't think she did porn, though. I don't know what she did. Yeah, I don't know what is on there. It's probably some, you know, something sexual, though, I imagine. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. She got a million dollars off of 17-year-old titties. Oh, my God. That's nuts, man. Mm-hmm. There are so many perverted dudes that be like, yeah, I can't wait till she turn 18. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, go find a woman your fucking age, man. Yeah. Dude, if there are dudes my age that are stressing out over a chick born in 1999. <laughs> if you don't fucking stop it, motherfucker, damn. That's funny. Yeah, it's <clears throat> weird. But yeah, um, I, I don't know how far OnlyFans is going to get with this shit. Because the, what the, the driver in their success has been a bunch of people doing porn shit. Yeah. I mean, how are you just going to go away from that? Like, imagine if alcohol tried to say, hey, look, we're going to have non-alcoholic drinks from now on. People be like, man, fuck you, man. Where's the alcohol at? Yeah. I don't want this non-alcoholic beer. I want the beer with alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. You can't fool me into thinking this. So honestly, I think we're watching the fall. What we're what we're witnessing the fall of OnlyFans. I think that I I don't necessarily think it will it will uh will fall. I think that um it it's dependent on the team the mm-hmm. the um so so for me as a uh I guess you know a small business owner or whatever I'm I am uh I am understanding that it is possible to to rebrand something. Um, like we, me and Eddie were talking before the podcast. So mm-hmm. If you're from Bakersfield, um, and you've been here, you know, for however many years, you you know that the Padre once was a super ran down hotel. It was, and somebody came and invested some money in it, and now they got valet parking, and it's you know celebrities stay there, you know, when they come in town, and um, it's it's a it's a whole experience. I got clubs and bars and stuff. It in went there. from <clears> it <throat> went from a whole experience to a whole experience. Yeah, there you go, exactly. So um, it's it's uh, I think that that's possible with pretty much any business. Um, And sometimes you'll see it where um, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but sometimes people will like inherit or they'll purchase uh, clothing lines and stuff. And they'll uh, like maybe like New Balance. Right. New Balance was kind of a just a, uh, a shoe company that had just dad shoes or even Under Armour in a sense. Um, and then Steph Curry came along and it kind of reinvigorated the the company and Kawhi Leonard came along with New Balance and it kind of brought new life to to the company. So I'm understanding that, you know, there there is a possibility that OnlyFans can kind of shift and rebrand. And um, if they somehow get 
um, these kind of YouTubers, TikTokers on their platform, if they get guys like uh, DJ Academics or these super popular TikTokers, mm, that's and, a good point. And they get they get them on there creating kind of exclusive content that mm. people are willing to to pay for every month. I think they can kind of shift from being the uh, the porn brand. But that I mean, it, it's going to be hard, and it's it's not it's not it's not easy by any means, and it takes some people that's what that are super. Said. <laughs> super super creative and um super innovative um but it's you know it's up to them to to, to make that happen yeah I, I just i just think ultimately like when the banks are not willing to work with you <clears throat> because you got so much porn and shit the, the, look these banks know goddamn well that Pornhub and all these other places have content that shouldn't be up there Mm-hmm. Right, but they just have to make it as if they give a fuck when they really don't. They don't really give a fuck where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. But for liability purposes, they don't want to look like they're aiding. It's kind of like these people that get that that um. These it's kind of like when the, when the when the banks did the Black Lives Matter thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really think they give a fuck about black people. They really don't. They just yeah. They just had to. If they really gave a fuck about black people, they would have started these campaigns a long time ago. Yeah. But the same ones that are benefiting off of slavery. Yeah, the same companies that historically have literally used black slaves as fucking collateral. Now they're like, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker, we know your history already. Yeah. We already know your history, motherfucker. We know, mm-hmm. you, we know you got blood money. Okay, yeah. so cut it out. The same way with You've the been f- known the, black, the value of a black life. Because right. you added a dollar amount to it. Right, 100%. Yeah. You know how they use, like, you, they can use your house as collateral, you know, if you default on something? Mm-hmm. They did that with black slaves. Like, hey, you didn't get that, blah, blah, blah. We need four slaves. Mm-hmm. And these same companies are still existing today. Mm-hmm. And I think because they know their history that they will uh, say, we donated this much to black women or whatever. Like, motherfucker, no, you didn't. Yeah. Where's the proof? We need receipts. Yeah, I haven't received nothing. I have a business. So. Yeah, what the, where's, where's it coming from? Mm-hmm. We, we haven't gotten any donations to this podcast. When I Yeah, when I tried to uh, apply for the PayPal one, it was just, the, the, I think the applications were full or something. So Yeah, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? Donate to black content creators. So you need to look up a Trucker's Mind podcast and give us $80,000 minimum. That'd be fire. We won't take anything less. The office would be decked out. Imagine if they said, hey, we'll give you $80,000, but it has to only go to the podcast. I'm like, cool. Yeah. We'll Let's do it. Whole camera set up. We have an assistant. Oh, yeah. We'll have, first of all, we'll move to a whole new space mm-hmm. away from the, you know, mental illness and the random yeah. sirens. Yeah. Away Fucking from... sirens popping up. Yeah. Yeah. Some noise, cancellation, and all that good oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, be me, fire. Me and Keith will be up here with fucking nine cameras having yeah. every angle in here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, there's that. I, I don't got a whole bunch else to say about that. Uh, Only did fan- you see that? Oh, sorry. Did you see that uh, Rachel Dolezal as she started OnlyFans? What is she doing? She was posting like feet pictures and stuff. No, she wasn't. You lying. No way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I thought she was about to say she was fucking black guys. That's more believable. <laughs> she should. That's people really be out here fumbling a bag, bro. Yeah, Rachel Dolezal has stood up for black lives for a long time. Rachel Dolezal, she, I think she, uh, she would be trying to like. What would happen, right? Is they would put Rachel Dolezal in the interracial section. Oh yeah, for sure. And then she would get pissed off because she wanted to be in the ebony section. So she would be trying to protest whatever OnlyFans. Like, stop putting me in the interracial section. I'm black. (laughs) (laughs) And to be a black dude in the corner. Yeah, you white hoe. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
like that. <laughs> transracial. Yeah. Oh, transracial. What if she's in a transracial section? That'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean she, that's fine. She could uh, she could uh, have sex with Sean King. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Her and fucking Sean King up there. Sean King, that's funny. Yeah. All right, switching gears. Uh, Af- the Afghanistan conundrum. I-, I think a lot of us have seen what's been going on in Afghanistan, and a lot of people are trying to make sense of it, man. Um, it's extremely unfortunate what's going on there, and a lot of a lot of our uh, you know soldiers who fought there are just confused. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, News analysis. What went wrong in Afghanistan? Um, 20 years ago, the mission seemed direct, clear, and just, just, and just uh, invade Afghanistan and pursue, capture, or kill Osama bin Laden, mastermind of the September 11 terrorist attacks and his armed band of followers. Achieving that goal also included overthrowing the Taliban. And steadily, the mission morphed into vast, complicated experiment to reshape society, reshape a society that few Americans understood. After a war stretched over four U.S. presidents uh, and costing more than a trillion dollars and tens of thousands of lives, the once routed Taliban has retaken power in a in a swift march across Afghanistan, barely meeting resistance, occupying the presidential palace and driving the remaining U.S. troops into a single redoubt and an airport and now swamped with Afghans desperate to flee. Desperate, despite its military, my, my, despite its military might, expertise and investment, the United States badly miscalculated the speed in the, the absolute, man, they've used some fucking words, <laughs> absolutism with the, which the Taliban would overtake Afghanistan and it, is handing a battered, battered country back to the very people the U.S. sought to defeat with any gains of nation-building, education, and civil rights in jeopardy. Oh, man. <clears throat> They're saying, who is to blame? Um, here's the problem, man. Uh, Joe Rogan talked about this, and I think he made a great point. He said this is a territory that's extremely hard to take over. You got all these mountains and shit and all these places that they're hiding. Like, it's hard to conquer something or hard to drive out the Taliban because you don't know where the fuck they are. Yeah. And we spent 20 years there, and a lot of American lives have been lost defending this place. And I don't blame the soldiers at all. I don't blame the soldiers that are pissed off right now. I don't blame them because a lot of them came back with PTSD. A lot of them came back with arms blown off, legs legs blown off and shit. And they're trying to make sense of what the fuck is going on. And why are we pulling out of Afghanistan? Are they mad because um, they feel like the job is not finished? They're mad because they've lost a lot and they wanted to make sense. Right. They're like, why are we pulling out? Why are we just leaving? So imagine being somewhere for 20 years and you you've lost your brothers that you went to boot camp with. You lost people that you considered friends. You had to tell people's wives that, hey, your father loved you. All this shit. And now they just pull out. I I think that there was never a right time to pull out. I feel multiple ways. I feel bad for the soldiers. And and I also just feel bad in general. Now, Trump was going to do this. But he was going to do it sooner. He would it would have took place in I think May first. They said. Mm-hmm. So Trump, Trump planned on doing it. He planned on doing it. All yeah. Biden did was follow up with what Trump already had in place. That's all. That's all. That's all he did. Literally. But I think that they have a problem with how Biden did it. Biden just pulled motherfuckers out, right? 
So when he bought motherfuckers out and they took it over in two weeks, they're like, what the fuck? It's like, at least could you pull, you could pull them out gradually. And you also could have upheld. There were a lot of translators and people that were promised citizenship. But the process took four years. So a lot of people was like in their third year waiting to get citizenship. And now they fucked and they can't even come here. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the, you know, the, the pushback on Biden is for those certain things. But honestly, I don't know what Biden could have did right. Yeah, it's a lose-lose situation. It's a lose-lose situation. We was there mm-hmm. too long, and we have four... Pre- this ain't Trump's fault. It ain't Biden's fault. It, I blame it more on motherfucking Bush and Obama. Yeah. Because though after when Obama came, he didn't have a bull, the balls to pull the trigger. Then Trump came, and he finally mentioned it, and now Biden finally motherfucking did it, but it, it, went, it spanned over four presidents. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the liability is on everybody. Biden is actually the one that finally pulled the trigger. Yeah. Biden hasn't pulled out in a while, so this is new territory for him. Biden don't even got cum no more. <laughs> they just, he just ejaculate dust. Yeah, he just a <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I, I think it's to me it's uh no, I, I want to hold you though but when when Biden come it don't like no nut come out it just like a little flag pop out it just say racist <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking around it's like America America <laughs> fellow <Not>, America <laughs> I I I don't I can't me personally I think that this this all started in 911 right you yeah know, it started when Bush mm-hmm. sent everybody over there to kind of retaliate for the whole 911 situation I think that's like the the most onus that anybody should take for yeah. the situation because after that it's a matter of like you're kind of walking the line like yeah should, should I pull the troops out I know that people are dying over there I know this isn't our issue um, I know that you know um, Bin Laden isn't gone yet as far as Obama's administration going and then finally going and killing him and them probably thinking that that's going to get rid of the Taliban but it you know, we we're familiar with how these organizations run. If the head um, gets chopped off, Another then dictator. somebody yeah, somebody else is just going to, to to take their place. So it's it's difficult to say like who did what or who was wrong or you know what they should have did. I I'm not really in that position, no. and I'm not that familiar with military and um and foreign affairs and all that enough to say like who was wrong or what somebody should have did. Um, but I, I just want to say. Overall, it's it's a difficult thing because if what what happens when they gradually pull out, right? This is, yeah. it, it, the same thing is probably going to happen. Um, it, you, we, me and Eddie, were, or we were talking about the homeless situation earlier. If uh, we were talking about how if somebody came down there um, to downtown LA and they had this billion dollar um, uh, donation to build. Housing for the homeless and provide them jobs and stuff like that. As soon as all that those funds dry up, those same people, the majority of those people are going to go back to what they uh, deem as normal. Um, and that's that's we see the same thing with uh, Dr. Dre's daughter. Like Dr. Dre has been providing for her for I don't know Great 20, point. 30, Great 30 years or something like that. And as soon as he cut her off, she's, she's homeless and she's you know working for Uber and her kids are living with different people. So that's the same situation with the Taliban. So I think that there's a lot of people out there that's like, oh, we should have did this and we should have did this. And mind you, these are like couch potatoes you know what i mean there are people that watch the news via the uh you know on their couch every day and they act like they can run a country when in reality they're just they're just uh, can't even run your own life yeah exactly 
Um, so for me, um, it's a, it, I think the situation is so unfortunate that we would invest so much time into something. And like you said, people are losing their lives and we spend yeah. over a trillion dollars um, in funds and stuff like that on right. this on this country in this space and trying to get things right over there. And you were saying they're building schools and gas yeah. stations and all this yeah. stuff only to just like erase all of that in a, in a day. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, it's unfortunate for those, those uh, guys in the military that lost their lives. Um, Cause you know, if you think about it, I mean, if I, if I had a, a father, a brother, a, um, a wife, a, whatever the case may be over there in that fighting that war. And then, they end up losing their lives. Maybe they lo- they lost their lives two weeks ago or three weeks ago or whatever. And then um, only to realize that Joe Biden is pulling all the troops out. I would be so pissed off because it'd be like, yo, my whatever wife, sibling, father, whatever would have been alive if you know they would have pulled out sooner. So I understand it from the people that are in it on the ground in the trenches. Uh, but for our the people that are on the outside, just everyday consumers of this this news like yeah. we we have to be mindful that um there are people that are really in it and we yeah. don't know we not we not in not it in like it that. yeah mm-hmm. one thing i'll say this regardless of if it's a just war or not whether if it's just or not when i see some military people because i worked with a guy that was in the marine corps for eight years and i told him because i seen that he had a dog tag on i said you was in a you was in the in 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 corps he said yeah eight years i said thank you for your service man thank you and, he, and this look on his face was almost mm-hmm. like it, like shock. Mm-hmm. You got to understand something about people that serve in the military. People that serve in the military see fucked up shit. They see little kids getting their heads blown off. They see their friend that they went to boot camp with getting killed. They see people with PTSD, people getting their arms and shit blown off. And then they come back to America and they just blend in with everybody else. Mm-hmm. They get flipped off in traffic. They get motherfucking set. Hey, fuck you, buddy. And they're thinking in their mind, motherfucker, do you know what I had to do for your freedom? Do you know what I had to do for you? Mm-hmm. And these same people come back damaged, right? But these same people come back and see what's going on out there, and they don't know what's going on. Like, if you were somewhere for 20 fucking years, and the moment you pulled out, it got took over in two weeks, how the fuck would you feel? You feel pretty fucked up about it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you got friends that have died. Yeah. It's, it's not cool, but it's also true that there's no right way to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. There's no right way. Let me give you an example of how long this thing went on. When 9-11 happened, when we first actually went to Afghanistan, uh, 9-11 and all that, 9-11, all that happened, I was 16 years old. I was a junior in high school. It was during football season. Mm-hmm. I'm 36 years old now. This is how long we've been out there. I don't know what else we could do. How long can we be at a place and then we get out of there and it's taken over in two weeks? Mm-hmm. There are just certain things that they are they are pre-established and you could do something to push back on it like you use homelessness as an analogy. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could drop a trillion dollars in the middle of Los Angeles. We could get we could get mental health people. We could clean these people up, get them showers, get them the help they need. And as soon as we pull that aid, I guarantee you there will be a, there'll be a, a, a decent amount of them will go back to the streets. It'd be doodle all over the streets. Again. It'd be a shit sandwich back on that fucking street. Mm-hmm. And it's fucked up. But there's certain things. This is what Donald Trump said. In ver- this is what he said verbatim. I agree with him. 
Okay, I'm objective. Not a fan of Trump, but I agree with him when he said. All right, Eddie. Like he said, <laughs> he said, we're, we're, we're acting as of now, we're acting like the world police. That's not our job. They're building gas stations and rebuilding schools. Let them do that. That's not our job. We're, we're, we're going to get our guys out of there. And Trump said this. Mm-hmm. So you cannot be mad at the, lib- at the, the Democratic leadership because Trump had this shit set up. Mm-hmm. But, and, but, uh, this Ob- is not political. It's not political, but what I'm saying is political in a lot of people's minds. No, I'm saying I'm saying it's not political because a Republican president is the one that put forth exactly. the idea, and then right. a Democratic president is the one that pulled everybody out. Right. So it's 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 both sides. Like who it's are both you sides. Be mad? But yeah. there's somebody that can be mad because um, a Democratic president did it. Like a Republican yeah. can be mad. Like so why would he do that? It's confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. It just confirmed <laughs> the bias. But there's there's a little the. the the legitimacy stands in the fact that if you're a person, if you are right leaning and you actually served and you did have all the situations happen that I mentioned, such as people, you know, that died and things of that nature. American soldiers are very valiant. They're so valiant that they want to fight to the last minute. Mm-hmm. Right. They want to go back to Afghanistan. That's mm-hmm. how they are. That's the nature of these people. So being as they seen like, yo, I was in Afghanistan for fucking nine 13 years, whatever, and they are watching Afghans that they protected during that time hanging on to landing gear from a fucking airplane and falling to their deaths. Yeah. Like, there's always something crazy that happens during most presidencies. You got um, uh, uh, fucking Bush with. Hurricane Katrina and 9 11. Mm-hmm. That's a boo. Those were terrible. Yeah. Then you got. Uh, no, I think those things saved. Well, at least 9 11 probably saved his presidency. Yeah. But then you had that flood. That just was. Whew, that was a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Then you had Obama and you had a lot of civil unrest, mm-hmm. right? But you didn't really have like the, the really super duper crazy stuff. There was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of shootings though. There's a lot of mass shootings. Yeah, the mass shootings probably under Obama. Is, yeah, is under Obama's watch. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the next presidency with Trump, you've seen a lot of civil unrest. Yeah. A lot of civil arrest, a lot of hate crimes and shit mm-hmm. like that. Antifa and all that. Antifa and all that. And then now and, and now in this presidency, it's just started. So the COVID. The COVID. He mm-hmm. get oh yeah, Trump had COVID Trump and the civil COVID unrest. Yeah. Now you got Biden. He's just fucking old and he's got uh uh Afghanistan. That's the number one. Mm-hmm. It looks bad on your presidency when you got Afghans hanging from planes, falling to their deaths, and it's recorded. Mm-hmm. Like that looks very, very, very bad mm-hmm. at the least. Yeah. I think, uh, like you said, I think the the tone of a lot of this is that confirmation bias. I think a lot of people, they're not looking at this objectively. No. They're not looking at it from the standpoint of like, yo, what? when is the right time to get out of there? When, yeah. you know, we've been there for so long and nothing has really changed. If, if we've yeah. been there for 20 years and it goes back to, um, you know, the Taliban in control within the same day, it's just like... It's like... It, yeah. What would have? What could we have actually? What done? could have, what could we have done? Mm-hmm. What could we have done? You know, um, I my my deepest apologies and uh, prayers go out to people who served because mm-hmm. they they more confused than anybody. Yeah, I'm curious. I gotta I gotta hear some takes from some from some of these guys. Yeah, um, 
because I'm curious to see their stance or, or why they would be so uh, angry at the presidency. You know, like I mentioned, these are very valiant guys. These are guys <laughs> that are that have an objective, and their objective is to you know get rid of the Taliban and all of that. And they feel like they failed. Mm-hmm. Got to realize this is 20 years, man. Vietnam was like 11, so this has lasted longer than Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, we did not win Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Like we we didn't we. Going into Vietnam and then going here is almost the same because it's territory we are so unfamiliar with. Yeah. We was using machetes to chop chop down big ass brush and yeah. all kinds of shit, man. Mm-hmm. It was it's yeah. Yeah, they they've been through a lot. I'll tell you this much right now. Imagine if that over a trillion dollars went to soldiers right here in the United States that have already served in this served this country and that have, you know, mental health issues and and there's a lot of soldiers, men and women, that are taking their own lives daily. Um, and imagine if we gave those people aid. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if you serve in the military and you come back, a lot of a lot of them downplay it and say, "Look, I was just doing my job. I was just serving my country." But serving your country also led to you having PTSD. It also led to you having your legs blown off. It also led to you having all kinds of different problems. And I feel like somebody that serves the country and comes back to the United States shouldn't have to worry about uh, battling for a job at fucking Target. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like if you serve this country and you come back at least for a year, a year and a half, you don't got to worry about housing. Uh, you, instead of getting a food stamp card, you should be given a card for aid. Like mm-hmm. you could use it as a debit card for food. You need to focus on becoming acclimated back into society. Because when you, when you watch the shit that they've seen, I'm pretty sure it's difficult to just go back to being a regular person after that. Yeah. So I just feel like, imagine if that money went there, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of soldiers that probably would go against what I'm saying because, like I mentioned, these are these are different human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, it's some. I remember some guy said like, "Hey, yeah, we don't need any aid. All the aid should go to those soldiers from Vietnam and 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 uh, before then because you know they got real problems. I, I was fine. You know, I served in Desert Storm, but I'm good. I don't need anything. That should go to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Um, I, I don't got too much else on Afghanistan, man. I, I just, I think that now that we're going to see some really fucked up shit going on there. And Biden, actually, he sent some troops out there, actually. What the hell is that noise? You hear that? Mm-hmm. He sent out, like, I think he sent, like, over, I think he said 10, 10 six to 10,000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. I, I just, I know that he is trying to do it the right way, mm-hmm. but there is no right way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough one, man. Conversation. I mean, everyone has a, a, a different opinion. That That's the thing about America. I guess you, you have the freedom to have an opinion on, you know, how, how the country is being ran. Um, I don't. I just don't know what the what the right thing to do or what, what the right thing would be to do in that situation. Eventually, we had to get out. Yeah, because this thing goes to thirty years or something. It's twenty years is a very long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that happened when I was time. in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. I'm a grown man now. You know, twenty nine years old, man. Mm-hmm. I'm thirty six. I was sixteen when they first went. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's there's guys that are barely older than me that went there when it first started. 
Mm-hmm. So they were 18, 19, probably, I don't know, 20, right around there. Mm-hmm. And some of these guys have been in Afghanistan for years. Mm-hmm. They've learned the native language. They've grown accustomed to the people. And now they're so watching. They probably got kids over there. Yeah, they probably got some Afghanistan kids over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a black dude. Uh, probably got a half, um, uh, half Afghanistan, half uh, um, Tyrone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man. Prayers to the those people and the soldiers uh, that are coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't have too much else to expand on, but I felt like since this is definitely a huge topic going on in the United States or in the, or excuse me world news in general, mm-hmm. we would knock it down. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Uh, switching right. gears, um, the importance of having a strong partner. Um, okay, I'm gonna keep this general, but. A family member of mine, right? Um, He had a health scare, a really big time health scare. And um, after he was taken to the hospital, his wife got on social media and posted a video and was just like, I don't know what to do. Somebody help me. I don't know. I don't know what to do, y'all. I can't take this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And she was just losing it. Mm -hmm. And I understand from an emotional standpoint that your partner is in the hospital, which is a serious thing. But the fact that you chose to go to social media and ask strangers, what do I do? I need help. Fellas, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just making this very clear. Don't ever take a chance on someone that's weak. Mm -hmm. The biggest turnoff is a weak person. Because if you choose the right partner and you have any type of health care, you need a woman that is going to contact your family, that's going to make sure the kids are okay, they're going to make sure you're okay. You need a woman that's a matriarch. You do not need a woman that's going to social media like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. What's going on? Somebody help me. You do not need a person like that. That is the wrong person to be with. Because... Serious situations reveal real people. And you find out that the wrong people shrivel up when you really need them. And that is you do not need that. And I've seen it numerous times and the the different updates on social media and the Snapchats. And I was bothered by it because I'm watching a family member going through a tough time. But I'm watching someone that he's with who is so weak. That's weak behavior. As a man, if your wife gets sick, you need to be the man of the house. Take care of your kids. Make sure they're okay. Make sure you call her family. Let her know the, the, the updates that she's in the hospital, whatever. But when you are so weak that you go to social media asking for help, that's like that. That is a cautionary tale, folks. I just want you to know. I want you to think to yourself about the person you're in a relationship with right now and ask yourself, if you fell on your face and had a heart attack, how mature would that person be? If you got in a bad accident and didn't have use of your legs for a month or so, how mature would that person be? If you don't know the answer to that, get the fuck away from these people. If you don't get away from them, they will make a fool out of you when you get in that that situation. Yeah, that's true. I think... um these that situation was not the first of its kind no i'm sure there was uh comparable situations that she didn't put on blast like that um there might have been a time where you know maybe 
the husband came up short on bills one one month, and she was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" She probably called calling that she again. probably <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> she probably went and made an offer up or something, or she probably made an OnlyFans just to right. support support her household or something. Behind on rent, uh, <laughs> subscribe to my booty hole. <laughs> nah, but it it, it it's uh. When you see those kind of things, and sometimes it happens too late. So I, I understand that, yeah. you know, it's, you know, sometimes you are, you in too deep to actually uh, confront or get, get out of the situation. Right. But I think it's just important to, to be mindful of these small uh, sample sizes that, that people give us in, in our relationship. And that's right. one, like I said, that's one of those things that I'm sure it came up in a different situation. And it's just, it's just embarrassing to, to yeah. be in a relationship with somebody that, uh, that would even operate like that. Yeah. Um, just going, there's, there's no, there's, there's no answer on social media. No. Like, what, what are you going to do? It's, it's, it's kind of one of those things like, and how old are these? Much older than me. It, they didn't even grow up on this. They right. didn't grow up on Facebook and right. all this kind of stuff. So they should be the people that really understand. Like, if if something is going wrong, maybe you, like you said, hit your family up, hit the hit the in laws up, um, take care of the household, make sure the kids is right. you know not necessarily kind of, uh, um, I guess speak positivity to them in a situation so the kids is not at school stressed out about these kind of things. Um, because you know they're they're just kids. They don't need to be worried about. Uh, they, obviously, they need to be concerned about their their parents and whatnot. But they yeah. don't need to be consumed with adult stuff. Um, so I think that's that's like leadership. And we talked about leadership and the qualities that um, a leader should a leader should have. And um, that's one of those things that um, like it's a it's a that's the type of thing that creates like a forever bond. Yes. You know, when, when you, when you go through something or that the husband goes through something or, you know, a life altering event and the, the girl is holding or the wife is holding it down. She, yes. she making sure the kids is getting to school and she taking care of you and still getting to all these kind of things. So after that span of a month where you get back on your feet or two months to where mm-hmm. you get back to, to a hundred percent, um, it's like yo, I might I might marry her again because she really held it down. Big facts. But when you when you go to social media, it's just weak. It's just trash. I don't it's get so it. weak. Yeah, it, I'm not I'm not gonna put him on blast. But there's a Facebook friend of mine, and he posted uh, a picture of this really nice Mercedes that he just bought his wife. Mm-hmm. And as he he just kept it real brief. It seemed like a very genuine moment, even though he posted it, but. He said, man, he said, this woman been with me when I didn't know where I, I lost everything and she stayed with me. And then on top of that, I didn't even have no car. I didn't have shit. And she stayed with me. And he's like, I'm in a position now where I could do things. And I got my wife this car. And I'm just, you know, I'm glad that she held me down. And that, my friends, is a woman who has stood the test of time. She done passed the test already. Mm-hmm. You stayed with me when I had nothing. Yeah. I didn't even have a car and you still was there with me and now I'm doing well. Of course I'm gonna buy you a Mercedes. You already earned that years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? But then you got the women that get on social media. I don't know what I'm oh, what am I gonna do? That's weak. Men need to stop dating weak women, vice versa. But I'm speaking from a man's perspective. If I know some shit's unraveling. And my health is bad or something happens, you need a woman that will get your affairs in order. 
You need somebody that can hold it together and be strong for you. If you get in a car accident or something happens and she there with you, you need a woman that's not going to be afraid to knock that window out and pull your big ass out that window. Mm -hmm. Like, you need a strong woman. I'm so sick of women saying men are intimidated by strong women. Shut up. No, we're not. We need strong women because for situations like this, in situations like this, we need somebody that we know is going to be in our corner, not someone that's going to be in a corner. Oh, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? What the fuck? Are yeah. you fucking kidding me, man? Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. At, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. If I was a man that had a health problem and my girlfriend, if I found out she went and posted multiple videos, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to, I don't, I can't, I, I'm too weak. I don't know what to do. Somebody help me pray for us. You're making a mockery of me. Mm-hmm. You're making me look bad. I'm already in the hospital. I'm already fucked up. And you're making me look horrible because you you got to understand vice versa, man or woman. You need to realize that you represent the other person you're dating. You're not just representing yourself. Yeah. Once you choose to date somebody, you represent them. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm let's say I'm married and my wife is in the hospital. Oh, how's your wife doing? She could be literally dying. I'm going to say, hey. Uh, she's holding it together. Uh, just pray for my wife. I'm not going to say, man, I don't know what to do. I'm losing my wife. She's going to die. I don't know. I got to be strong for her. Yeah. I got to be, I I am the spokesperson for her while she is down. Yeah. You can't have two people unraveling. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything. You guys are both basically, it's like if something serious happens, you shouldn't run. It's basically the equivalent to running around in a circle and fucking screaming. Mm Mm-hmm. Like what are you? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know it's it, that's an extremely important thing, and it you know everything is situational, so we don't we don't really fully understand our partner until certain things happen. But um, definitely something to take heed to. Yeah, when, when you get in those situations and your your partner is not holding it down, mm-hmm. um, we just we gotta we gotta respect that action and and treat it like it's. It's a life or death situation. Yeah. 100%, man. Mm-hmm. I, I ain't got much else to say about this. We're going to wrap it up. But I just want you guys to think about this. Whoever you're dating, you ain't got to just look at them. If y'all listen to this podcast together, you can just act like you didn't really acknowledge the end of this. But <laughs> you need to acknowledge what, what you do need to acknowledge or evaluate, excuse me, is the motherfucker that you're having your energy with. See, everything right now in your relationship is probably just coasting. Everything's good. Everything's just coasting. So you guys are tolerating each other. But when the real shit happens, it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. You better ask yourself how this motherfucker is going to react when some shit goes down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If 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 a woman was with a dude and he's kind of like not confrontational, he's kind of nerdy, really quiet. When a dude comes up and slaps your girl on the ass and you don't do nothing, imagine what she's thinking at that moment. I'm with a man that can't even protect me. Think about that. Those same expectations come from us men onto women also. Like, if I'm sick, I don't want you making a fool out of me. Mm-hmm. You know? So, there's that. Um, if you made it to the end of this podcast, man, we appreciate you for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Thank you always for being a supporter of this podcast. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Truckers Mind Podcast. My name is Eddie McGee. It's your I, boy, K. Fiends. I fucked that up. You got to, yeah. You gotta we got that over. You got to fuck. Yeah, I fucked it up. Take two. 
If you made it to the end of this podcast, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. We're out of here. Peace.